0: Well, good morning, White Oak. It is so good to be with you today. Uh, we are continuing in on our series uh, covering the Gospel of Mark, and uh, over the last several weeks, I've been reading through Mark with our church and uh, following the the bookmark reading plan. And uh, man, I've just been noticing some different things as I've been reading. One of the things that really has kind of stood out to me uh, in this first couple weeks has just been how many times it would talk about people who came in contact with Jesus being amazed. You know, that, that, that everything that Jesus was doing, everything that Jesus was saying was just amazing, the people who were around him. And it would talk about how these crowds of people were just being drawn to Jesus, and uh, I don't know why that just kind of stood out to me. It, it feeds into uh, the uh, the narrative that we're going to look at today as well. I think you'll see that in a few minutes, but. But I really hope that, uh, that you've been reading along with us. We've got journals and bookmarks out in the lobby. And if you haven't started yet, let me encourage you, it's not too late to jump in and, uh, and get caught up. Mark's a really easy read, and it's just been fun for us to be able to read through it together. But, you know, we go to Scripture, I think most of us, looking for answers, looking for truth looking for comfort, looking for confirmation. Uh, we, we, we dive into God's word because we're looking for something. And, and, and we come to Jesus for the exact same thing. You know, there, there's something that's missing in our life, there's something that, that we're desperately in need of, and, uh, and we want it fulfilled through who Jesus is. But let me just tell you, whatever you're coming to Jesus for, whatever hurts you need healed whatever brokenness needs fixed what whatever you're you're coming to him for Jesus provides more more of what you desperately need Jesus provides more and so as we go through this uh, sermon today, we're going to see how, how Jesus provides more than we could ever ask or imagine. How, how Jesus is truly the answer to our greatest and deepest needs. So we're, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 today. So if you've got a Bible and you want to uh, turn to Mark chapter 6, you can go ahead and do that. Jesus, like I said, he's been uh, going around and ministering to people so far in the book of Mark. He has called 12 individuals to come and follow him to be his disciples. And one of the purposes that it says that he calls the 12 is to send them out to preach the good news message that the kingdom of God is coming. And so Jesus gathers together his 12 followers and he begins to uh, give them some marching orders. He's going to send them out, it says, two by two into all of the villages and the towns nearby so that they can proclaim to the people that they need to repent and return to God for the kingdom of God is near." So in Mark chapter 6, where we're going to be at today, we're going to start in verse 30. But but when we find ourselves there, Jesus' disciples are going to be just coming back from being sent out to preach and teach and minister to the people in the nearby towns. So turn with me, Mark chapter 6, and uh, again, we're going to start in verse 30. 30 as we, uh, as we jump in today. And so let's just look at the first two verses of this section. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place And get some rest. Can you imagine what it would be like to uh, have done and experienced everything that the disciples had done? Now, on this kind of journey that he had sent them on, it says that they were going to proclaim the good news about Jesus. But they were also going to be sent out into these towns and these villages healing people and driving out evil spirits. And so what Jesus had really done, he had empowered them through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do what up until now they had only seen him do. So Jesus had been amazing people with his miracles, and with his ability to drive out demons, and with his teaching, and now Jesus has sent out these 12 to do the same things. And so they're gathered back together, and they're sharing all their experiences, now, I've been on some mission trips in my life and one of the things that will happen on a mission trip is that uh, You might go with a group over here during the day and you work on something or you go And uh, you go into a town and you're going to evangelize to some people You're going to do something and then you got another group of people and they're going to go do something else and somebody is going to lead a team and they're going to go into a different area and they're going to do something else but At dinner or after dinner, you come back and you all rendezvous back in the same place, and there's this time where you're just going to share everything that God did in your life during that day. And and I'll tell you, man, it's a powerful moment to hear and see and experience what God had done through different people. And so that's kind of what the disciples are doing. They've they've come back to Jesus. They've been sent out two by two, and, and they're just sharing everything that they had seen and witnessed but they're also exhausted, right? They're tired, and it's late, and they're hungry. And so, uh, and so Jesus is going to encourage them that they should go find a solitary place where they can get some rest, where they can get some food. And so we're going to pick up here with verse uh, 32. So, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. They can't get away from the crowd. Right? The news had spread about the work that the disciples had done on their, uh, on their journey when they were visiting all these towns and villages. Word had spread about how amazing Jesus' teaching was and how he was healing people. And so people are just flocking to be near Jesus. So in their attempt to go and be isolated in a way and to, and to kind of get a break, you now the people find them. Because people are desperate for what Jesus has to offer. There's something else that's going on here. I don't know if you caught it. But, it, but it's real easy for us to, uh, to miss the fact that when Jesus sees this crowd of people, what's it say? He has compassion on them. You know, sometimes the disciples would see these large crowds and their response would be, send them away, Jesus. We, we need to, we've got business to attend to. We got things that we've got to do, or we got to get here, we got to get there. It says that Jesus has compassion on them. Jesus really sees them. And I don't know what you walked in here with, what burdens you're carrying, what uh, what, what brokenness you kind of are dealing with. I don't know how often you go through life feeling invisible or like nobody notices the things that are going on in your life, but I want you to know that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees your hurting. Jesus sees your brokenness. Jesus sees your struggle. And when he sees you, Just like this crowd, he has compassion on you. Jesus loves you. You're all that matters to him. You're the priority. And so for the disciples, they can get that twisted a little bit. They can can get things flipped around about what's important. But Jesus, for Jesus and his ministry, people always came first. And so, no matter what it is that you're, you're coming to Jesus with, no matter what it is that you need Him to, to do in your life, I want you to know that Jesus provides more. No matter what you're looking for, no matter what it is that you, you feel like you need Jesus to do in your life, I want you to know that Jesus provides more. Let's pick up in verse 35 says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and village, villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, this is Jesus talking, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. And we are to go and spend that on bread to give to them to eat? As we look through this, the disciples are ready to send the people away. They, They want them to go back home take care of themselves, be somebody else's problem. And Jesus, he kind of challenges them. Jesus is always teaching, okay? Jesus is always leading. And so he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. Now for the disciples, for the 12, they're blown away. You know, they're thinking uh, logically, they're like, oh, there's so many people. Reports say that there's like 5,000 men that are gathered at uh, at this occasion. We can't afford to feed all these people. Where would we even get enough bread to feed all these people? Hindsight's gonna tell us us, the reader, we can look back and say, don't you remember what you witnessed Jesus do before he sent you out into the towns and villages? The amazing things that you've seen him do? Hindsight would tell us, didn't he just send you into all these towns and villages to preach and heal and drive out evil spirits? Wasn't God's power at work in you when you did all those things? Were you not witness to that? Hindsight would tell us that they should trust and do whatever it is that Jesus says. Because he's proven time and time again that he's perfectly capable of doing whatever it is that he chooses to do. But they doubt and they struggle. And you know what? There was a time in my life where where I would read through the Gospels and I'd really kind of, in my mind, I'd beat up on the disciples. I'd be like, how can they be so foolish? I just read pages before about the miracles that Jesus did right in front of them. How can they have such little faith? But here's the truth. I'm no different. You see, God does these amazing things in my life, and He pours out blessing on me, and He's so good to me. And then moments later, I find myself in a new situation, a new problem, and how quickly I forget what God just did in me and through me, for me, days earlier. We lose sight. We forget. God's been actively working through the disciples' lives this whole time, but it's hard for them to see it. And the truth is, he's been actively working through my life as well, and there's moments when I forget. And what I need to cling to is this promise that Jesus provides for my greatest needs, that Jesus provides more than I could ever ask or imagine, that Jesus is the answer to my greatest problems, that Jesus provides more, more than I'm looking for, more than I could ask for, more than what I probably need, Jesus provides more so a couple chapters later well let me let me let's uh, let's finish this up real quick mark chapter 6 38 through 44 it says how many loaves do you have he asked go and see When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Right in front of them, Jesus performs this miracle, feeding the 5,000 reminding us that he provides for our needs. And and Jesus, when he would do this with his disciples throughout the Gospels, his miracles always serve two purposes. Number one, he is desperately concerned about the well-being of people. And so he is providing for them physically. They're hungry, and, and he has compassion on them, and he doesn't want to send them away. And so he is meeting a very base need here. But his miracles also point to the fact that he is who he says he is. His miracles demonstrate the power of God at work in his life. And so when he claims to be the son of God, his miracles point to the fact that what other answer could there be? And so his miracles are in place to provide for the people and for his followers, the disciples, that Jesus has authority on in heaven and on earth to do the will of God. And so while Jesus had performed miracles in their presence before and while he had empowered them to do miracles on their own when he sent them out, he does it again right here in front of them, proving again that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the King chosen from God and sent from heaven. And the disciples are witnesses to it. A couple chapters later, after Jesus feeds these 5,000 people, the disciples find themselves in a very similar circumstance. Jesus is teaching. A large crowd gathers. The disciples are ready to send them home. Jesus says, no, let's provide food for them. And so on this occasion... Scripture tells us that in Mark chapter 8, Jesus feeds 4,000 people right in front of them. And this is, you know, we don't know the exact time, but, you know, maybe a month or two goes by in between these two events. I mean, they're very closely connected. And the disciples are witness to this again. Jesus feeding these people right in front of them. Some interesting tidbits about these feeding miracles. When Jesus feeds 5,000 people, he begins with five loaves and two fish. Some people point to the fact that this number five and the five loaves that he has represents this first five books of the Bible, what, uh, what they would consider the books of the law, matthew or uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When Jesus performs this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they're in a mainly Jewish area, and so it is uh, mainly people who have this relationship with God uh, through their Jewish faith that he is uh, ministering to, that he's teaching, that he's talking to. When they come to collect the baskets at the end, there's 12, same number as the 12 tribes of Israel and uh, also the number of disciples that also correlates with that. The big idea being that uh, Jesus is fulfilling his promise to provide for the nation of Israel, for God's chosen people. Fast forward two chapters, and Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Now, in this miracle, the number of loaves of bread that they begin with is seven. Seven in the Bible is a number that represents completeness. Think about the creation of the world. It's a full number. It means that things have come to fulfillment. And so uh, in this uh, miracle, Jesus is teaching in what is now a broken Israel. And this area is mainly filled with Gentile people. So these are people that don't have a uh, a history with God, the creator. And so there are people that uh, come from a mixed background. And so, uh, a lot of people point to the fact that this number seven of the loaves of bread might point to the fact that uh, Jesus is fulfilling his promise to be here and to provide salvation for all people. The number of uh, baskets that are collected at the end of this is also seven, this complete number that Jesus is fulfilling all of scripture. Seven days of creation when all humans were created. And so sometimes we can read into these numbers and, and they're fun to kind of look at and see. But, but here's the thing. We can, we can sometimes maybe pull out things that aren't in there. Here's the bottom line when it comes to these feeding miracles. Jesus provides... What we desperately need. Jesus is the one providing what we desperately need. John chapter 6 verse 35 in this scripture, Jesus is going to refer to himself as the bread of life. Let's look look at it up here on the screen. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We see this miracle where Jesus feeds them with bread and ultimately Jesus says, you know what? I am the bread. I am the bread of life. So just a little bit further down the road in Mark chapter eight, Jesus is with his disciples in a boat and uh, they're coming straight off of him feeding 4,000 people. And Jesus tells them, he gives a warning to his disciples. He says, be be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. And what he's talking about, Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time and uh, they had really kind of... uh, began to work up this idea of Jesus uh, being something that he wasn't. And so they would say that the, uh, that the Pharisees would just plant these little seeds of doubt in people's minds and that that would work its way through. It's kind of like this uh, yeast See, back then it was really common for someone to get just a little bit of moldy yeast and that would get worked into the bread and just a little bit of yeast worked into a, uh, into a batch of bread would ruin all of the bread. And so Jesus was saying, be careful of that yeast because it can spread and it can grow. Well, his disciples, they don't quite understand. They're like, Is, are you talking about the fact that we don't have enough bread to eat? And Jesus is just beside himself at this point. Look with me in Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 17 through 21. It says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves and the 5,000? How many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? Jesus says, Have you not been with me? You're, you're still concerned and worried about having enough food to eat. You're, you're worried that we didn't bring enough bread on the trip. I just fed 9,000 men over the last couple months. Do you not know what it is that I'm here to do? Do you still not trust in my power? But again, we're so quick to jump on the disciples. I'm the exact same way. I become blind to the things that God is doing right in front of me each and every day. I'm blind to the things that God is doing in front of me. All the time, providing for my needs and doing these miraculous works. And I become like the disciples, blind to it. He says, Do you still not know what I'm doing here? Do you still not trust who I am? Jesus came to provide for your greatest needs. And in this feeding miracle that we see, the feeding of the 5,000, and then in the second one, the feeding of the 4,000, yes, Jesus is providing for the physical needs of people. But there is a greater symbolism that's going on here as well. Jesus, in both miracles, takes bread and he breaks it. And it's enough for everyone. And in John chapter 6, he says, you know what? I am the bread of life. I provide for your greatest needs. I sustain you and towards the end of his time here on earth in an upper room with those same 12 disciples he takes bread again and he breaks it he says this is for you my body broken so that you can have life Jesus provides more, more than we could ever ask for, more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever need. Whatever it is that you've walked in here with, whatever brokenness, whatever hurt, whatever insecurity, whatever doubt, Jesus came and he gave his life and he provides for all of it. And so if you're here today and you want to learn more about being a follower of Jesus, I would love to talk to you more about that. I'd love for you uh, to come into a relationship with knowing Jesus. But in a moment, Zach's going to lead us into a time of communion. And I want you to think about Jesus. Breaking bread, providing for your greatest need. That on the cross He died so that my sins can be forgiven. Jesus provides more. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for what it is that you do in our lives. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he did on the cross. Thank you for the salvation that he brings. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.